0: To all of the small business owners listening, I know it can be a challenge to run a successful business. One of my favorite ways that I've learned tips and tricks for building a better business is through the podcasts and the other like-minded entrepreneurs that I've learned from. So if you're looking for another podcast to add to your queue that will give you some invaluable advice from today's leaders in small business, I highly encourage you to check out the Small Business Show hosted by Swire Ho, co-founder of Garuda Promo and Branding Solutions. After being in small business for 20 years, Swire wanted to sit down for some candid and in-depth conversations with some of the most innovative entrepreneurs in small business today to share what he's learned and interview others. So through his podcasts, he and his guests share many tips and tricks for marketing, growing, and running your business. Check out the Small Business Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I would argue that we over-communicate, that we spend far too much time communicating back and forth in contrast to execution or actually getting things done. Yeah, there's a time to ask questions. There's a time to to check in. But so much of our workday seems to be um, uh, taken up by communication.
0: what's up everyone i'm chris ronzio founder and ceo of trainual and this is organized chaos as always we're taking a page out of a different leaders playbook so you can put it in yours as you build your own and you just heard from scott friesen scott is from Simpletivity training and has a youtube channel with hundreds of thousands of subscribers and videos with over a million views each all about productivity. So this episode is about getting the most out of your workday. Through Scott's speaking, his keynotes, his workshops, and the videos online, he's become a renowned productivity expert. And so in this interview, we dig pretty deep into the task management system he recommends, how you can be sure you get your most important things done in a day, how to organize your day and your week around your biggest priorities, some book recommendations, some software recommendations, and Frankly, I just had a blast because I love talking about productivity and efficiency. So if you've ever wanted to squeeze more time into your day, or if you've ever ended the day thinking, why didn't I get enough done today? This episode is for you. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio, and today... We're gonna talk about a topic that everyone always wants to talk about and there are going to be a ton of nuggets and takeaways. So whether you're running a business, working in a business, or just wanna lead a more productive life, you're gonna get to hear from Scott Friesen. He is the founder of Simpletivity, which is a massive YouTube channel that just keeps growing by the week. And he's just a productivity expert. So Scott Friesen, thank you for being here. Hey, Chris, good to see you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to dig into this. So this is for, as my, my followers know, efficiency, productivity, one of my favorite topics. And anytime I get to talk to someone else that is uh, a master at this stuff, I learn a ton. So I'm just going to pretend that this is a, a coaching call for me, and, <laughs> and I, I think everybody's going to learn a lot from you. So let's get started with, you've got a really cool mission, which is to kill busyness. Is that right? That's
1: uh, that's right. That's my official title, uh, busyness killer. And uh, you know, a bit of background is that for you know many years, I spent my uh, my time in the technology and software industry, uh, working in the corporate world. And when asking people, "Hey, how are things going in your life, or how are things going at work?" constantly, constantly, people telling me, "Oh, so busy, so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy." Yeah. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I said to myself, "There's got to be a." better way. There's got to be a better way to work. There's got to be a better way to uh, take a look at our work and, and our outlook. So uh, yeah, that's that's my mission is is I want to try and uh, keep us uh, away from the busyness and much more on the productivity side of our days.
0: Yeah. You know, when people say, oh, I'm keeping busy, it's like, okay, on what? <laughs> is it stuff that you want to be doing? Is it is it boring work? And so I love that we're going to dig into this. Now, Let's go back in your history first. How did you become a product a productivity expert? Where did it all start?
1: Yeah, so you know, as I mentioned, I, I spent many years uh, working in software, and m- much of that time as a software product manager. So you know, helping people get the most out of their tools, working directly with uh, with clients and and stakeholders as we uh, developed a variety of different service-based systems. And, you know, uh, along the way, I found uh, a few new techniques uh, to improve my own productivity and, and to organize my schedule. And I found that many people, many of my colleagues would keep asking, hey, Scott, how did you do that? Or, you know, you seem to always be on top of this and, and that type of thing. What are some of your tips and tricks? So it seemed time and time again, off the side of my desk, I was teaching someone else or or giving some advice or maybe recommending a book, something along those lines, until eventually I said to myself, you know, I I really love this teaching side of things. Um, I love personal productivity and time management. Maybe I should consider doing that uh, full time. Now, I was first very fortunate to make a transition within my uh, own company at the time from product management into talent development. And that allowed me to travel the world and and provide uh, a number of workshops and training and and also virtual training as well. Uh, But eventually decided to branch out on my own and Simpletivity uh, has been going strong ever since 2015.
0: So did it start as formally as your YouTube channel or were you just sort of informally showing people this and that and at what point did you say, I need to record this because I'm showing people the same thing over and over.
1: Well, well, here's the true story. Here are the details. Um, you know, after working for this organization for roughly eight years, had a fantastic time, wonderful experiences, made many uh, wonderful connections and colleagues. But near the end of that eight years, there was a bit of an itch, right, to do something new, to do something a little bit different. But I wasn't really sure what that next step should be I um, uh, wasn't really sure where I should if I should be looking for a new job opportunity should I be looking to make another sort of minor uh, career change something along those lines until finally I said to myself, you know what maybe I need an outlet. maybe I just need something to get this out you know maybe just to share my knowledge with others and YouTube seemed to be the natural choice to, to start producing a few videos. So, it happened to be on one of the days in which I was working remotely anyhow, I decided to take a few minutes and recorded uh, a couple of super short videos. I upload them to YouTube and, uh, of course, no one saw them at all. I, I could see the view count. No one was watching them yet. Pretty standard for any new YouTube channel. About an hour later, about an hour after uploading those first few videos, I got a phone call from the VP of HR saying, Scott, sorry, uh, you've, you've been a wonderful asset to the organization, but we're gonna have to let you go. We're, uh, we're doing some downsizing. This coming Friday will be your last day. I share that story with you because I don't think it's coincidence that the day that I uploaded my very first YouTube video happened to also be the day that I got laid off now I'm often asked uh, did they see your video did they think you were doing no Tr- trust me I was <laughs> I was looking at the view counts no, <laughs> no one was watching <laughs> no one was watching that that content but that was sort of the springboard as to what was going to happen next now the business itself, didn't start overnight didn't start immediately but the one thing that i did do for those coming two months after being laid off is just continue to upload new youtube videos and about two two and a half months later i decided to make it my uh, my business, I decided to offer myself as a consultant, and uh, the rest is, is is sort of history at this point. Uh, being laid off is maybe one of the greatest things in hindsight that's ever happened to me. But uh, no joke, it actually happened on the same day that the Simpletivity YouTube channel was born.
0: So it's funny when I hear these stories. A lot of times, the YouTube channels or the social media, you know, success stories that start without monetization that start as just sharing and delivering value and consistency and building a following, those are the ones that skyrocket. Whereas when people have some kind of business model and they think, oh, I'm going to supplement with social media, it doesn't work as well. And so do you think that those early months of just posting, posting, posting gave you that foundation or how much did it influence what became the business model?
1: Yeah, I, I think absolutely. And and even from the get go, uh, both in those early days, but even after the business side of things started, um, it was never my intent to monetize or to have YouTube as a significant revenue generator, right? The the real purpose was from a a marketing standpoint, right? A a way to communicate my message out there, a way to be discovered by potential customers and and potential clients. And that was really always the goal, especially in those first few years. I've always looked at it as a bit of a bonus, right? That when um, I started generating more significant ad revenue when I started uh, attracting uh, some uh, really quality sponsorships and, and that type of thing. That, that's all been a, a wonderful bonus since that, uh, since that time. But, but I agree, you know, whether it's YouTube, whether it's a podcast, your blog, or, or some other vehicle, um, you know, hopefully you have your intentions um, uh, very clear and that they're not all based around monetization.
0: How frequently were you posting in those early days?
1: So I faithfully posted every single week, sometimes twice a week for that first year. And I do like to emphasize that because I really didn't see hardly any growth in that first year. And you've probably talked to a lot of uh, YouTubers over the years. Um, It's that first year that you have to sort of get through (laughs) or those first 50 videos. Sometimes it's the first 100 videos, um, uh, not just to break through. And I don't mean to break through from like a an algorithm standpoint or or something like that. But I just mean to break through from learning from yourself, right? Sort of figuring out, okay, what's working, what's not working, what do people like more than other things. Let's experiment. Let's try with something. Uh, You're going to have to get through that. Uh, I forget who who mentioned this quote, uh, but but I love it. They say you got your first 50 videos are gonna be crap. So you might as well get through them as fast, as quickly as you can. Like like, j- just get through them because you're gonna learn so much along the way. And in my case, it was probably almost a year to the date of uploading that first YouTube video that I got a video that sort of had a, a bit of a higher uptick. It noticed just a little bit, I, you know, it took me back. I said, oh, wait a minute. People seem to be resonating with this particular video and it was something new. It was something different. It was a it was a different format. And I took that as a great hint. And in many ways, my, my format, even to this day, is somewhat similar or based on that one video. But I couldn't have gotten to that point without uploading
0: each and every week for, for nearly a year. It's the repetition. So if you're listening to this, I want you to hear that you've got to get the reps in. And even if you're talking to an audience of zero, It's good for you, right? It's good practice to figure out how to deliver the message and how to be concise and how to speak without fumbling over your words. I remember looking back at one of the first videos I shot uh, before I started putting out any content and I was pacing around in the front lawn outside of my mom's house visiting her and I thought, I'm just going to go out here and and shoot a video. It was terrible, (laughs) like so bad. I didn't even want to listen to the the rest of it, Um, but it takes that. Like you said, it takes that to get to good. Um, So so let's let's turn to productivity now. How do you define productivity? What does it mean to you?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of the golden question, right? When we're talking about productivity, when we're talking about time management and and uh, getting the most out of our day, you know, for for myself, I think too often we think of quantity. When we think of productivity. We think of, oh, the number of tasks I can cross off in a day, Uh, the number of phone calls or emails. uh, You know, we were just talking about content, the number of uh, videos or or podcasts that I can record in a week. I think true productivity or, or the best definition of productivity puts the focus on quality, You know what, what you're able to produce. Are, are you happy with the quality of that work? Have you actually done something meaningful for your stakeholders, uh, for your boss, for your team, uh, whoever it is that you serve? What's the quality behind the work? Um, I might only accomplish three things today, but if I do them at a high quality, if I can leave my office with a big smile on my face and say, yeah, you know what, I made a difference, to me, that's a very productive day. Versus another day where I might be able to cross off twenty-seven things on my to-do list. I may be in six different meetings. Uh, whatever the case may be, that might be a very unproductive day. Yeah, I ticked a lot of boxes, but did I really, you know, push the needle? Did I really make a difference in someone else's life? So, when it comes to productivity, I think it really comes down to the quality of the work. When uh, when all
0: is said and done. So productivity is really a measurement of your progress against what's important and not necessarily just your daily quantity of tasks, right? And so if you're working on things that are, aren't that important, not moving the needle, then by your definition, that's not really a productive day, right?
1: A- absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think it in some ways it's almost harder in the environments and the tools that we use to get that type of perspective, um of you know quality versus just just quantity i I think email is a classic example i know so many of us we we get lost in our inbox we spend a half hour reading replying sending a bunch of emails and we trick ourselves into thinking oh i i got a lot done i mean look at this i i got through 50 messages or i replied to 14 emails um, you know yeah it we, we fool ourselves into thinking because things are are changing from from bold to italic to a check mark to some other color you know all these sort of visual indicators as if we've done something but if you really look at that list of, of emails or messages that you sent um, how how much further is that? Uh, progressed you in your business. How much have you actually helped those those individuals, or are you just waiting for a reply? Some uh, some never ending thread that's happening within our uh, within our email inbox. The same could be said with many of our task lists and our and our to do lists. Just checking off boxes. But yeah, I think that quality piece is so so important.
0: I hope I'm not alone here, but I definitely am guilty of putting things on my to-do list after I've done them, just so I get the satisfaction of crossing off another thing. <laughs> Have you ever done that, or am I alone here?
1: You know what? I, I I might say that I'm I'm fortunate that I'm not very tied to the past, and and I say that not just from from my workday and and how I manage my my own tasks. But I, I mean that with like sort of physical things as well. I know that both my wife and 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 my mother, especially when I was younger, would always get on me like, Scott, you might want to remember remember this token, or you know, this is this is something you did when you were younger. And, and I'm very much sort of a, a forward thinking myself. Now we're all uh, we're all wired a little differently all we'll have a slightly different uh, personality. But no, I'm, I'm very much one to um, uh, j- just sort of move on. I know one of the um, practices or one of the things that I'm best known for uh, within the Simpletivity YouTube space is showing people how to use their calendar as a to-do list. Uh, in many cases, it's their digital calendar, whether they use Outlook, whether they use Google Calendar, or perhaps some other format. You can you know, basically turn any online or digital calendar into a to-do list. But a common question I get is, Scott, well, how do, you, how do you determine, how do you check something off within your calendar to-do list? Like, How do you convert an event, even if it's just listed as an event as off? And my honest answer for me is that well, it's just deleted. I just I just get rid of it. <laughs> I've done task. that task, yeah. and and I'm and I'm and I'm moving it on. Now, now there's a, a variety of different ways in which you can uh, adjust for that, right? You can change a color, you can add a flag or a label, you can move it to another calendar. So there are other ways around this. But for me, I'm often surprised at how attached some of us are to wanting to look back and and take a look at what's happened in the past. Perhaps part of that is just the way I'm wired. I'm always looking forward. If the task is completed and there's nothing else there for me to review or,
0: or need to go back on, it's gone. I'm, I'm moving on to something uh, to something else. So I'm, I'm curious your, your take then on carrying tasks forward that don't get done. So uh, for instance, if you put a to-do on your calendar and it's an important block of time that you're supposed to work on something and you skip it, something else comes up, you're on the phone, you just can't do it. Do you then drag that thing forward to a later time in the week? And same with a, a task list. Uh, if you don't get your, your outcomes for today done, how do you carry those forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, not, none of us are perfect. Um, even those of us who, who study and teach productivity still have things that we don't get to and, and we have to either defer or push it to a future date. One of the nice advantages of using um, a calendar-based system, or even those who may be more comfortable with a notebook or a uh, paper-based system, is the idea of physically moving something to a particular date in the future. I think one of the traps that many people fall into if they're using a to-do list manager or perhaps some other project management tool is that many of these pieces of software make it so easy for us to bulk defer, right? It's so easy to take like five things and just, oh, push that to next Monday or push all five of these to tomorrow, even though you haven't really looked or analyzed any of those items individually, right? You're just sort of dumping them all sometime in the future. Mm. So I think taking a little bit of effort up front, saying like, okay, wait a minute, um, I'm not going to have time to do this today do I need to do this tomorrow? Or can I push this even further in advance? Or maybe of the three things that I'm not going to get to today, um, what absolutely should be done tomorrow? What else could be deferred to maybe later on in the future? I think far too often people get to Monday morning, <laughs> and they've got a huge list of things, many of which have just been deferred from the previous uh, from the previous week by default. So I think putting uh, a little bit of extra thought, um, actually going through each light item. The other trick um, or tip that I have is that when you are deferring something, especially if you found yourself deferring the same task multiple times or multiple days, is to actually go back and rewrite that task, mm-hmm. reword it in a different format. Because if you're just moving the same thing, it might be the way that you're actually looking at that task. Do you need uh, a, a verb or, or an action tense at the beginning of that? Were you not as specific as you should have been when you first wrote that task? So if you find yourself deferring the same thing more than uh, two days, uh, force yourself to maybe rewi- rewrite it, excuse me, in a different format. That might be a lot more effective than you think.
0: Such a great tip. Or maybe it needs to be divided up into something that's actually achievable instead of such a big task. I see a lot of people putting these gargantuan things on their to-do list that you, you couldn't possibly make any progress with because it's so daunting. You know, we we have a, a rule. Uh, my my assistant follows defer, 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 delete. Like if I've deferred something three times, she, she quizzes, like really presses me on it. Do you even need to do this thing? Are you ever going to do this thing? And uh, and it's a good wake up call. So I think that's that's always an option too. Is if you're deferring, maybe you don't need to do it.
1: Ab- absolutely, I, I love that. That's almost like three strikes and you're out, right? If you've done it three yeah. times, wait a minute, uh, are, is this really valuable to you? Or uh, you know, another important D word is delegate. Does it need to be delegated to someone else if you have that? Uh, if you have that option, but but I also am very glad that you brought up this concept of length of time or the duration of any given task. Uh, My general rule of thumb is if it's going to take me more than two hours, uh, more than two hours to complete something, you need to break that up because you're probably dealing with a project. Even if it's a small project, if you can't complete that task in less than two hours, you should
0: try and break that up into uh, smaller chunks. Great call out. Don't put projects on to do lists, divide them up into tasks. Great call out. So I've heard from a lot of people, even some of our managers at Trainual, they talk about, you know, I I feel like I was in meetings all day and I didn't actually get anything done. So is there a a different way to set up the day so you can achieve more or to go into the day with with knowing what, you know, how you're going to measure yourself at the end of the day?
1: Yeah, great, great question, and I think we can all agree. Meetings, uh, I think many of us view meetings as as a bit of a of an evil, right? A necessary evil, or something that fills up so much of our calendars. I think one of the challenging things is that when it comes to when you work at your peak or when you're at your productive best might be very different than when I work at my productive best. Now, the good thing is, is that internally within any organization, hopefully you can have some of these open conversations, right? About, hey, listen, we're, we're not going to have meetings um, until 11 a.m. because we want people to be focused at that time. It sounds like most of us uh, would like that time for personal projects or or. You know specifically deep focus work and then we can start our meetings however you know outside of the organization it's going to be next to impossible to do so right you're working with external stakeholders and clients etc etc i still do believe that you need to put in some boundaries as a part of your day or play some defense if we want to use a sports analogy right Even if you're fortunate enough to have a secretary or to have an assistant, they're only going to be able to deflect so much, right? You need to decide, listen, I'm at my best in these particular hours or these parts of the day, and so I'm going to protect that time for my most important, my most strenuous, my my work that requires my undivided attention. But I'm going to leave myself open for, for meetings and, and other th- other ways to collaborate, maybe in other parts of the day. Another thing that can be very effective for, for many individuals is reserving days of the week for specific activities or for specific meetings. So uh, going back to my YouTube content as an example, I block off most of my Mondays and, twod- and Tuesdays. For recording, just like I imagine you're probably recording uh, several podcasts today, or maybe over the course of of several days, batching that content. Even if you're not a content creator, is there something in your world or something within uh, your responsibility that needs your attention, that needs your focus? Maybe you can try and block off either an entire day or much of a day just for that particular, particular work. Um, something that I think we don't talk enough about is our personal energy levels. And that's what you want to bring into the conversation, right? When are you typically at your best? When could you handle something extra challenging? See if you can block off some time there um, and reserve the rest of the day or
0: other parts of the day for your meetings and, and lesser activities again incredible tip so the way i do it which mirrors exactly what you've just suggested is i have uh, at least a couple focus time blocks through the day to make sure that i have that buffer those boundaries that i can actually catch up and get things done and every morning when i do a stand up with my assistant we agree on my top three outcomes for the day so that i can be sure i've got some space in the day between meetings to tackle those things and then just as you suggested if this is helpful for anyone else I set it up so that Mondays and Thursdays are all of my internal meetings, my one-on-ones, company meetings, all hands meetings. Uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays tend to be external or project work and Fridays is press, podcast, PR. And so Fridays are my, this, this open content day. And so, uh, it's, it sounds like that's something you agree with and maybe a, a tip that others can implement
1: absolutely and and for those who have not experimented with that format uh you got to try it out right you can't you can't uh you can't diss it and t- unless you actually experiment it with yourself now at the same time at the same time i think you need to allow a certain amount of flexibility uh a, a little bit of of nimbleness as a part of your schedule i know that i've come to a, a monday where i'm typically re- ready and raring to go to record and and edit much of my content but I'm just not feeling it that morning rather than beat myself up about it, being flexible with my schedule so I can find maybe another chunk of time or, or swap it with another block in my day. Because another thing that often can bring us down is being uh, too restrictive with ourselves, right? And, and boxing ourselves in into these uh, uh, specific slots that, that we can't move or that we can't touch. So having a little bit of both is probably going to help your productivity overall.
0: Absolutely. You, you start with the framework, but then, you know, there's always some gray area. It moves a little bit. So you mentioned using a calendar as a task list. If people don't like that or don't want to use a calendar, do you have recommended tools, favorite tools? I know there's a ton of applications out there, but I'm curious what tools you like and what the anatomy of a task list looks like for you.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, we we live in an age where there is an endless number of to do list managers, task managers, project management lists uh, available to us. I think there's some pros and cons as a result. Uh, one of the pr- one of the cons, I should say, is switching so rapidly, right? You get started with a particular tool or a particular app, and not even three months later, you're jumping to something else because, ooh, they have this feature, or I saw someone else do something over here. I don't think we need to overcomplicate our, our task list. Yeah, it's nice to have a few uh, bells and whistles and depending on your specific needs, but uh, I think what's more important is understanding the capability of the tool that you are using. Now, now one of my my absolute favorites is Trello, which is probably better known as a project management system. Trello sort of has its history in software development and helping uh, development teams uh, collaborate together. And it's really based on the Kanban method, right, of, of moving things through different stages. But Trello is such a flexible tool. Uh, it's an, it's an excellent choice even for your own personal task management. You can create as many or as few lists as you need. It's a very visual based system, which I find a lot of people really enjoy rather than just being trapped within text and due dates, um, it's so easy to upload images and to apply labels and so forth and move things around. Almost everything is drag and drop, so you can really customize it for your needs. Uh, far too often, we, we pick a tool that, again, really boxes us boxes us in to their framework or how we should be working or how they think we should be working based on the software itself so so Trello is is a recommendation uh, that I uh, uh, that I give uh, quite frequently to many of my clients
0: so technical question for you do you use cards as tasks or do you use the tasks within the cards as tasks
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. In my case, most often the cards represent the tasks themselves. Although in some cases, there may be some subtasks or maybe reminders within that checklist inside the card. So so yeah, you can certainly, those cards can represent a project. If you like, Trello has given us a lot more flexibility over the last few years with how checklists can be used and assignments and their own uh, unique due dates beyond just the card itself. But in my case, I, I typically am using the card
0: uh, for task purposes. So in in my first company, it was a video production company. We had to track productions between stages of a production, pre production, you know, uh, p- production, post production, fulfillment, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and Trello, that Kanban format is incredible for tracking something between stages. And so I'm sure you do something like that with your tasks, whether it's a long term thing or a today thing or any tips there?
1: Yeah, I I think one of the things that is so eye-opening for many people, especially if they haven't tried a tool like Trello or the Kanban system, whether it's with a team or for personal use, is, yeah, thinking about your tasks in those different stages or, or the entire workflow. So, for example, there's a big difference between adding something to your task list and things that you're actually engaged with or actually doing, right? It's easy to add something to a list. But what are you actively working on in the moment? Uh, The other list that I often highly recommend is having a list called uh, pending or waiting for. And this is for tasks that are perhaps out of your hands at the moment, right? You've left a voicemail with someone else. You've reached out to the vendor for a quote. You're waiting to hear back from a client. There's really nothing you can do at the moment. But the nice thing is, is that it's not in the middle of your task list. It's not staring back at you. You're not questioning yourself, why aren't I moving forward with that particular task? There may be a good reason why you can't move forward at this particular point in time. So having sort of that that, uh, hiatus uh, bucket or that hiatus Mm -hmm. list to say, and it's also a great way to quickly go and check, right? Maybe at the end of each week or at the end of each day, you want to review that particular list and say, well, you know what? It's been two days since I last reached out. Maybe I need to pick up the phone again and call that individual. So, so yeah, breaking your task list out beyond simply
0: done uh, mm-hmm. and not done can be very effective. Yeah, I, I think that's an important point about this this pending bucket. And you know, if it's in an email, maybe you're using some kind of snooze functionality that it comes back into your inbox, or you know, like you said with the task, some task systems have that snooze functionality. So the last. Point I want to make on this, the task system here is, you know, this doesn't have to be a commercial for one specific application, but I think y- you said stick with it, right? And I think there's an important point there in sticking with a, an application long term. There's some benefits of getting to look back at years worth of tasks and understand what responsibilities are on your plate that maybe you could start to delegate to someone else. And you lose that history if you're changing applications every every couple of months.
1: Absolutely. And and another thing to be wary of is, you know, most of us are only scratching the surface with the tools and the software that we use, right? On average, you're probably using maybe 10% of the features that are available to you. I highly recommend that, you know, once you've selected something, once you've started working with something and, and have committed to it, spend some additional time maybe watching some videos or or going through some tutorials, reading maybe the product updates from that particular software to see what has been uh, released recently because there are probably some additional features that are gonna be extremely beneficial to you once you learn what their purpose is and and how they work in your world, um, uh, rather than always jumping ship to another tool or to some other application, I think far too many we, we for far too many people we're not maximizing or we're not yeah. optimizing our use with the current tool. And you know if you've already selected it as your your primary tool. It's worth your money. It's worth your
0: effort to learn out some of the other features that might be able to help you along the way. What a novel idea to actually use the features of the thing that you've selected. You know, we we see that too with people using using Trainul. We'll, we we can track feature usage, and so we'll reach out to people and say, you know, you 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 know, I haven't been this feature has been out for a year, and you haven't used it, and they say, oh, I I didn't even know about it. And so sometimes it's just digging in, like you said, and, and learning the tool you've committed to. So. How about when people just get paralyzed by what's next? What do I work on next? I've got an hour. I've got two hours. What do I tackle?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and that happens to a lot of us, right? That happens to a lot of us. Uh, In the middle of the day, middle of the week, uh, you just come out of a meeting and you've got that big, scary, hairy to-do list uh, staring back at you. One of the things that I recommend is keeping your daily to-do list as, as small as possible. Um, and the reason being is that it's only human nature. It's only natural for us to scan what is in front of us. And so if you have a to-do list that has 20 things staring back at you, you are going to be scanning that each and every time you come back to that screen, whether you come back to that piece of paper, spreadsheet, wherever you are managing your tasks, you're, you're constantly staring at that entire to do list. And there's going to be some negative consequences, right? You you might start to beat yourself up saying, oh, there's no way I'm going to complete all of these things on this list. The other negative habit is that we start to scan for low hanging fruit, right? We start to scan for things that are quick or easy or simple to do but those may not be the most valuable or the most important things on your task list. So I'm a big fan of starting your day, just like you mentioned, you've got three key tasks or three areas of focus. Start it small with three, maybe limit yourself to only five key things per day. Doesn't mean that those are the only things that you're going to accomplish today, but it's also a great feeling that once you've accomplished that small or that micro list to then start pulling in other things that you hadn't even planned for, uh, you hadn't even set as an objective at the beginning of the day. The other thing I want to mention when it comes to feeling overwhelmed and prioritization and what to work on next. There's a great question that uh, I guess you could say I've, I've stolen or I've borrowed from the author Gary Keller. Now he wrote a, a bestseller uh, almost a decade ago called The One Thing, and I think the question what that book is really uh, based around. What's the one thing that you can do right now that's going to make everything else easier? or unnecessary? I know the first time when I heard that question and when many people hear that question, sounds kind of silly, it's kind of a ridiculous question, but it's that last part of it, right? What's something you can do today or what's something you can do right now that's going to make everything, and I mean even things outside of your career or outside of your work world, what's gonna make everything easier or unnecessary? If you can identify that task, I can almost guarantee that should be number one on your priority list. That should be the thing you should be working on next, because if it might just cancel out other things on your task list, if it might make other problems go away or prevent other problems from arising, that's probably the thing that you should be working on next. So I know many times, you know, I've I've had a busy morning, back to back meetings. Whatever the case may be, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling exhausted but I'll ask myself that question. Okay, what's something, even if it's a simple thing, what's something I could do that's gonna make everything else easier or unnecessary?
0: A very, very powerful question. Such a great filter and it's an incredible book. I feel like it's a timeless book. So if, if you're listening, you haven't read The One Thing, go check that book out. Uh, last question, Scott, for you. Now, there is an army defending a lot of our task lists from ever getting done. They just, that army does not want us to even get close to our task list. And that is, of course, Slack and email and phone calls and text messages. And so, how do we fight back? How do we defend? How do, how do we, uh, you know, stop those distractions so that we can actually get stuff done?
1: Well, I, I think I think you alluded to it right there. Defend or, or defense, as I as I mentioned earlier. I think we cannot be afraid to put up some barriers to put up some barriers within our work world. I'm, I'm a little bit of a, an anti-slack individual myself. I I you know I understand the purpose of it. I know there are millions of teams um, out there who use Slack on a daily basis, but I find that much, so much of our instant messaging does not benefit us nearly as much as we think it is. We, we don't think of those negative consequences. I would argue that we over-communicate, that we spend far too much time communicating back and forth in contrast to execution or actually getting things done. Yeah, there's a time to ask questions, there's a time to, to check in, but so much of our workday seems to be um, uh, taken up by communication, whether it's instant messaging, whether it's phone calls, and, and whether it's meetings. So. I'm a big proponent of muting yourself, whether that's muting or silencing your phone for long periods of the day, whether that's muting your instant messaging. And again, if we go back to the example of internal versus external, internally, hopefully you can have some of those open conversations and saying, listen, I'm just not going to be checking email or I'm not going to be online with Slack from from these periods of the day or for most of the morning. But I'm going to get back into it. And the other thing I want to mention here, regardless of the format, regardless if we're talking phones, emails, instant messaging, if you're batching those tasks, if you're batching that communication, you're gonna be so much more effective and get through it so much quicker. I know a lot of people look at me strangely when they say, Scott, you only deal with email two times a day? I say, yeah, I'm basically only responding or replying to emails once in the morning and once in the afternoon. Not only does it allow me to retain my focus and the other things that I want to accomplish today, but when I'm in my email, when I'm dealing with email in those two particular periods, I'm getting through so much more than I would if I was trying to manage it on a second screen or just off the side of my uh, off the side of my desk. So so yeah, playing some defense, creating some boundaries for yourself.
0: And if you don't believe what Scott's saying about email and being able to check it only a few times a day, I would challenge you to take a vacation, go for a day off, ignore your inbox for a little bit, come back and see how long it takes you to get through everything. And you'll be so surprised that you could just do that on a daily basis. Uh, it's it's absolutely a great trick there, Scott. I like I said at the beginning, this could be one of a ten part series. There's so much we could talk about on productivity, but uh, I'm just gonna leave people to go follow you on uh, on YouTube and and uh, check out your your channel at Simplicity. So anywhere else you tell people to go.
1: Yeah, probably the best place to start is the Simpletivity YouTube channel. If you're looking to get the most out of your existing apps and technology or want to be introduced to some new things that can help you as a part of your day, that's the best place to start. And if you're wanting to learn even more and reach out and connect, you can also visit me at simpletivity.com.
0: All right, Scott Friesen, Simpletivity Training. Thank you so much for being here. And I know this was useful for a lot of our listeners.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me, Chris. Looking forward to our next conversation.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to Organized Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share it with anyone in your network that you think could benefit from this information. For episode show notes, podcast recaps, and tons of other small business news and inspiration, check out the manual. That's trainual.com backslash manual.